Greetings from the Athletics Recreation Center. A few pre-pod announcements for you. Children are to be under the supervision of a parent or guardian at all times. Valparaiso University is a smoke-free campus. Please refrain from using tobacco products anywhere on university property. We thank you for your cooperation. And now your hosts from Las Vegas, Nevada, Parker Gatewood, and from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Paul Oren. Welcome to Union Street Hoops! Greetings and welcome to Union Street Hoops, a podcast dedicated to Valparaiso basketball and the Missouri Valley Conference that you can hear every once in a while on NWI.com and on iTunes. I'm your host, Paul Oren, joined alongside co-host Parker Gatewood at Parker B. Gatewood on Twitter. And I'm at NWI Oren on Twitter. And I got to tell you, Parker, this has been, we set a record. Yes. Record-setting episode of Union Street <laughs> Hoops here. And an interesting, you know, I don't know if it's a positive or a negative thing. It's no, a, it's a thing. I think this is the longest stretch we went without a Union Street Hoops episode. Uh, we did, on May 3rd, I think we uploaded the Steve Helm episode, and it's been about a month since then. And a lot of things have happened uh, personally, and not many things have happened Valpo basketball wise, right? It's been so quiet. That's that's why we've we've gone a long time. But it's Sunday morning, June third, right now as we record this, and so you guys will hear this, you know, in, in a couple days later. But the reason why I, I'm putting the date here is we're going to talk about the NBA Finals for a little bit. Um, sure. And uh, all as it doesn't relate at all to Valpo basketball, but <laughs> they're both basketball. But they're both basketball related. And if you're a Valpo basketball fan, maybe you're an NBA Finals fan. Sure. I don't know. Uh, and and we'll talk a little bit about about what's going on here. But for you know for there's been some movings, and we'll get to one of them in a little bit. But for me, I moved uh, across town in Valpo. That took up a lot of time. You know, and, and and you'll learn this in a little bit. But like when you move, there's so much paperwork that has to be done. <laughs> yeah. Like, you change your address. You got to change. Your, well, actually, I did. I did two things. I moved, and I got a new bank account. Sure. And so that I mean, you're not even a human at that point. I got a new driver's <laughs> license, new exist. bank account, new. Uh, I moved. Um, there's so many different things that happen that you've got to do to, and 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 then it's like, in order for it to do one, you have to have documentation of the other. But if you don't have that, it's just it's a racket, right? I tell you, definitely. So that took up a lot of time. So just and there really really just has not been much in the way of Alpha basketball news, and so. That said, let's have some fun and talking about Valpo basketball. So uh, the Crusaders are slowly returning to campus right now. The as they prepare as they prepare for the 2018-19 season, and this is where Twitter becomes your friend if you guys are paying attention out there, Uh, because if you look in the right places, you can find video of these guys showing up and doing some things and i stumbled upon a video of daniel sackey yesterday sure that uh that was retweeted and uh man that guy can fly he <laughs> right. uh there was a good i don't know where they were playing i think it was because i'm not sure if they're playing in the arc right now as a matter of fact i haven't been to the arc since valpo's graduation ceremony yeah I, so a lot of times they redo me. the floor i haven't been in there to see but they were playing i think at a you know a church gym or something nearby and and someone was throwing the ball up on the side of the backboard, Saki catching it and throwing oh it down boy. for a slam. Yeah, that's impressive. We talked about the Flight Brothers last year with Marcus Golder and uh, Joe Burton. Joe Burton is gone, and we'll get to Joe Burton in a second. And um, 
And but I, I think that Marcus Golder might have some competition for guys who can throw it down. Yeah, he could. I well, if anything, a company. You company, know, maybe, yeah. Maybe not competition, maybe though. But um, that'll be yeah, it'll be interesting to see. And if he's going off the side, like that's impressive. That's that's a, not a very easy dunk. No, it was do. really it was good. It like, was good. Yeah, but but then again, you know, I mean, we've seen Marcus throw down some things, you know, preseason that. Blew our heads too. So yeah. Well, like, we saw him do some things during the season that blew our <laughs> right. Heads as well. Yeah. Exactly. Let's let's get to the Joe Burton thing because Parker, this is where people. This is where like, you ever play that game of telephone when you were younger, where like you someone tells you a story and then you pass oh, it on to somebody, oh, I know and you pass going. it on to somebody, and, yes. and all of a sudden, by the time he gets back to the beginning, it's a completely different story. Sure. Yeah, I feel like that's how the political system in the country works right now. <laughs> but yeah. uh, Joe Burton. Um, is not coming back to Valpo. No, no, he's not. He's not coming back. He well, has a cool mixtape now. He does, yeah. And shout out to uh, to Anthony Shalkin. Have you worked on any of these at all? No, no, no these have been all Anthony, Anthony, all his work. Tavon Walker, Max Joseph, Joe Burton. Uh, a lot of these guys have gotten their highlight tapes put together by Anthony Schalk, who we had on uh, when we talked about going to Southern Illinois earlier this season. Um, he's been doing great work. And again, you can find all these on social media. Joe Burton, though, uh, is, is so he's getting ready to release his mixtape or highlight tape, right? And he sends out a tweet that says, not finished yet, or something, something along those lines. Right. And with a highlight of him in a Valpo uniform. And man, does social media and the <laughs> internet and the message board and all of that the take message off. message board. Take oh, off boy. with that. And, and And I get it, you know, like... There was really some uncertainty around Joe Burton. You know, okay, so he's he's academically ineligible. What does that mean? Well, what it means is, I mean, from what I understand, he's out, and he you know was out last year, and then he would be out for an additional year before he would be eligible to come back. Joe Burton is not coming back, and mm-hmm. I I texted Joe when. I saw that people were reading into this tweet like he was coming back. And again, one of the reasons I guess why I thought it was so funny is because, you know, I, I've had conversations with the coaching staff, not even about Joe, like about the upcoming season. What do they expect? And at no point has Joe's name ever been brought up. Sure. Right. And, and so I was like, well, wait a minute. Like, did I miss something here? (laughs) <laughs> did I like is this a possibility and right. so I, I I shot Joe a text and whether or not he was he doesn't owe anything to me to answer or anything like that but he answered right away and uh I said what what level are you looking at are you gonna go college you're gonna go pro NAIA and he's like it's still yet to be determined and I said but not Valpo question mark and he said no not you know highly doubtful not even eligible to return until 2019 yeah and all that so um He's not coming back. Right. No. And I, I, and this begs a question. Let's kind of remove it from the Joe perspective, like as a person. But like, do you want a guy to come back that, I mean, how, how do you, how do you feel about that? I think it's an, I think it's an interesting scenario. Um, obviously, you know, when, when it surrounds academics, that's something that, you know, a lot of guys tend to, they don't get it right if it's, you know, if it's. A consistent problem right yeah but um but i think you know it, it always depends on the person though you know everybody's different and that's not to say joe wouldn't have you know gotten his grades right he, he may well, very well have but the 
the thing for me is, you know, especially with the NCAA, you always the first thing you always look at is how talented is the person, right? Yeah. And Joe Burton was a very talented basketball yeah. player, and he was hitting his stride at the time that he had to depart. So that was the hardest part, yeah. right? Is because it's like you know a couple of really solid games back to back to back, and then. And, and then has to leave. So I, I think Joe would be, I think Joe would be welcomed back. But I don't. I just obviously it won't happen. It, it's interesting because you, this is begs an odd question of, you know, and again I hate to talk about this with Joe because I don't want to sound like we're ragging on Joe. Yeah, no, maybe, not at all. Maybe it deserves to be ragged on. But the idea of and and, and some things that I saw on the social on, on social media and the message boards and all that were. If Joe were to come back, he would need to apologize. Oh, stop! And, yeah, I Just mean, stop! Like that's ridiculous. And and the thing is, is that so that begs the question: Then who does he need to apologize to? Yeah. And does he uh, would would somebody in Joe's position, uh, academic, academically ineligible or arrested or suspended or whatever, do they have to apologize to their teammates? Do their teammates demand an apology? Probably not. I mean, these guys, you know, these guys all, you know, go through the same stuff, you know? And, and so, okay. So yeah, did, did Joe let his teammates down? Sure. Sure. But, you know, I don't, I don't know if an apology, who knows? Does he have to apologize to the, to the community or the fan base or whatever. I hope that's not what the question was surrounding because that would that would just be absolutely unreal. Like there's there's no way. That's why you know you you get into those topics about like you know playing actually playing and people just observing and stuff. It's like this is this is Joe Burton's life. Yeah, it's not anyone else's. Yeah, it's it is it is a game to the people that are in the stands. Right. It is the livelihood to the So that, like so let's flip it a little bit. Does JR Smith have to apologize to the fans of Cleveland after <laughs> Right. Yeah, you no. You know, like no. I mean, he maybe he needs to apologize to his teammates. <laughs> right. But and I can't tell did he think it was tied? Did he not think it was tied? Well, not I even no I idea. mean, I don't even apologize just be like I mean, honestly, you look at that play and it's, you you wonder but like it's like it's like when LeBron in the press conference was saying, you know, I don't know what goes on in his head. Like I legitimately, I I don't know his thoughts. It's like yeah, none of us do. None of us know what he's thinking. Yeah. So, I mean, I <laughs> what a play. Yeah. yeah what a that play. Was, that, that was, was something. that was reminiscent of uh, Matthew Fisher Davis at Vanderbilt in the 2017 NCAA tournament when oh, I was man. 15 and 0 that day and. Picking games, hashtag Unreal. don't bet on it, and uh, and he committed a foul when they were up and yep. cost Bryce Drew his first NCAA tournament victory as a coach. Unreal uh, craziness. Uh, so yeah, so I I just I I struggle with this idea of uh, of you know does Joe have to Joe needs to apologize to himself if anything right like yeah well I mean okay we got we got to just put this down. First thing, Joe's not coming back, so there. Actually, this whole conversation is irrelevant, right, right? Yeah, right. Joe is not coming back, so if but if he were, he would not need to apologize. But he's not, so there's not going to be an apology in in either scenario. Yeah, okay, that's so, fair. That's fair. <laughs> just let's let's. There we go. Okay, so Valpo did add a player though, and this is exciting. Yes, uh, Valpo's got three scholarships open. Had three scholarships open. 
brought in a series of, of players. Uh, was They were you know finalists for the services of Brock Stull, who ultimately chose Minnesota to reunite with his former head coach from Milwaukee, Rob Jeter, who's now assistant at Minnesota. And I, I think if Rob Jeter stays at UNLV, uh, Stull never goes out there, and Stull ends up playing at Valpo. Yeah. But Jeter ended up moving to Minnesota, made sense, all of that. Um, a couple other guys at Valpo's been looking at that you can find information about that out on social media that I actually don't think, uh, you know, when it comes to recruiting, it's difficult to uh, to talk about. Um, yeah, you have to do a lot of digging this time of year, don't you? It's awful. <laughs> like, like, two things are really difficult as a reporter. Uh, covering a coaching search, that's tough because nobody wants to talk. Everyone who's, like, normally a source for you, like, clams up, doesn't want to say anything. And then recruiting in May and June is hard. <laughs> like, And especially this is an odd situation. Valpo's got two scholarships open right now. And like when you have three, okay, you got to add somebody. Like You can't go sure. into a year with three open scholarships. Right. But now that Valpo's got two, it really is kind of like, okay, best player available or we just hold on to it. You know, if, yeah. if you're the coaches, you think let's just hold on to it. We hold on to it because you can get a midseason transfer. And yeah. so I think having an open scholarship or two during the basketball season is like gold. Sure. You probably can get guys to to transfer mid-year that maybe you wouldn't normally have a shot at, but because you've got scholarships there that this could be this could be good. So right. I don't know if that's where Valpo's going to end up going. Valpo has a long history of finding international players late in the summer, and Valpo also has a history of you know, kind of uncovering some diamonds in the rough late. Yep. And but they did get one guy, Aaron Gordon, E R O N, Aaron Gordon from North Central in uh in Indy, and he is the brother of Houston Rockets guard Eric Gordon. And uh Aaron Gordon and his father Eric Gordon Sr., who runs one of the top AAU programs in Indianapolis, uh came to campus and and Aaron committed later on. Uh played at Seton Hall. Uh, played in uh, 30 games this past year and didn't I mean he didn't have a huge a huge first two years at Seton Hall and like you know looking at his you know he didn't really have there there wasn't a game like a breakout game I think he scored seven points against New Jersey Institute of Technology he scored <laughs> six points against Texas Tech uh, he he played against uh, NC State in Kansas in the NCAA tournament. Played well in those games, but uh, you know he didn't really d- do a whole lot. He scored forty six points in thirty games, but and, and he shot thirty five percent from the three point line this year and and forty four percent from the field. But these numbers are also skewed. He had twenty three assists and twelve turnovers. These numbers are not great, but. I also point anyone to say that, oh, his numbers aren't great, to the fact that Shane Hammock had horrible numbers at LSU. Right, yeah, right? absolutely. So this guy, I mean, he's going to come in, and he's a 6'3 guard, should, you know, build up his body a little bit more during that year where he's sitting out, but he's got a chance to come in and be a really nice guard for two years. Yeah, and It'd be a lot, of, a lot of shooting depth. Yeah, and for this it, team, I would think so. Yeah, so so and and he'll be obviously a really excellent practice player to push guys, you know. But uh, you know, it's just interesting looking at the roster makeup because there are so many juniors that are going to be on the team right. this coming year. 
You have Bradford and Bakari and Golder and Soroya and Smits and Kaiser and Fazekas. And so all these juniors that are on this team, and uh, and really there are no seniors on the team, right? Right. I mean, there's there's none, and uh, and so when like trying during the recruiting process now, trying to take a JUCO doesn't make any sense because you don't want to continually load up. Yeah, this you class. don't want another one. There's eight guys there, so taking guys that can sit out work. Um, also, you know, trying to take maybe an international guy could work or. If you can find a fifth-year grad transfer, that could work. I don't know how many of those are out there right now. That's the thing. And this is and this is interesting because so obviously, when all these guys graduate, it's going to be quite the firestorm because you're losing a lot of people. But you get this group that they currently have right now for a guaranteed two years. With yeah. I, I mean, you know, with, with, if no one transfers or anything, but like if ever everyone stays then that's two years that they all get to play together. And we like you remember the last time that, you know, a group got to stay together for a long time. Yeah. That ended pretty decently. Yeah, and they, they got like three years together. But, right. I mean you throw in you talk about having Shane Hammock there. I mean he played two years of that group and Yeah. So yeah, I, I think that uh the pieces are in place for a resurgence of Alpo basketball uh in in the Missouri Valley Conference. You know what? You know what? I was actually talking about this with someone the other day because, you know, we just talked about Gordon and he's another guard. Valpo, you know, Valpo's done really well when they've had uh, at least, you know, a big that you feel like you can really count on, right? You know, you go back to Kevin Van Vike, Musigay, Shiel Fernandez, even Jabril Anacoya. And I I just don't know you know, coming up, like, they have a lot, a lot of talent, and especially with, you know, we haven't seen Fazekas play, now, you know, Gordon will come in, uh, the freshmen have a lot of hype, like, you've talked about a lot, but I just, I, you know, I'm always so curious as to, you know, what the bigs are going to do. It, I think it's imperative, as, as we as we kind of now transition into briefly here, let's talk about expectations for the upcoming season, what needs to happen in the in the summer for this team to be successful right. this coming year. Yeah. And I think a number one uh, goal for the summer is one of these two guys, Soroya or Smits, needs to be the alpha, right? Right. One of these two guys needs yeah. to – you're a junior in college now. For Derek, it's his fourth year. One of these two guys needs to be like, okay, I'm a starting center. I'm going to be the guy. You know – and they complement each other, sure. And I think we've gotten to the point now where we know they're never going to play together. Right. Right? Like, that's out. And matter of fact, Valpo, some of their best lineup, some of their best run last year was when neither one of them were on the floor. Right. Now, as Matt Loddick said at Northern Iowa, when, you know, it's not realistic to play that way. I wonder, though, will McMillan, who's put on a boatload of muscle, <laughs> yes, will McMillan give the opportunity to – to play smaller with those guys. Yeah. But Smith's or Soroya, one of those two, I think, I, I think that's what you got to look for right now. Well, who Who is going to really jump up and be the guy? The second part is who's going to become the de facto leader of this team. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Can Daniel Saki as a freshman come in and command leadership? Because he sounds like he's a leader. Kind of, but like, Who's who's the leader, right? 
Yeah, it's a good question. And I mean, and and my final one. If there's a game tomorrow, and we talk about this a lot on the <laughs> podcast, if there's a game tomorrow, who gets the final shot? Oh boy. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, for that, I think I just right off the bat, I would answer Bakari Evelyn. Yeah, I, I think I think you're right. I think it's Bakari. I think number two is Ryan Fazekas, if the hype is correct. Yeah, that would. Yeah. And and because he is, he should by all accounts be fantastic. Yeah, I mean, you know, he transfers from Providence. He's, you know, that's a solid, you know, resume for someone coming into a mid-major. I, I, I think, I think Fazekas starts. I don't think Ryan Fazekas came here to to sit. I think he's a, <laughs> yeah. he's a high major type player. Came to produce. Yeah, I mean, you got, you've got Bakari from Nebraska, you know, and 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 look, he's he's been here far longer than he's been at Nebraska. So yeah, I think we could probably right. stop saying he's from Nebraska. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, well, you know, I mean, that's, it's a big school that he was from. Yeah. I mean, he was a big 10 player, right? Yeah. So I, uh, you know, I, I just think that, that right now you want to develop some confidence in, in those guys. And, and, and really it's be interesting to see how do players like Bakari and Ryan Fazekas play with each other? Yeah. Because, you know, Ryan uh, Bakari and Joe were here that whole you know, whole year or whatever. And once that summer hit, it was like, okay, Peters and that group are gone. Now it's our time to kind of mesh in with everybody. Mm-hmm. Fizikas, you know, he had sh- shoulder surgery right when he got here, and he's kind of been on the back burner a little bit. But now, I mean, now it's it's ready for him to go. Yeah. And Bakari, you know, it's. Tavon Walker's not walking through the door anymore. There, no. there needs to be some toughness there, and, and Bakari is it. I think uh, highest ceiling is Marcus Golder. Sure. You know, yeah, I think totally. of a guy that as we go into summer workouts, and he's a gym rat, right? Right. I mean, and for someone who's already, you know, kind of been a, a higher option, he'll get a third option on offense last year. This is an interesting question about Marcus, though, is uh, Marcus was a guy that, Maybe you didn't see it coming last year. Now going into this year, maybe it's expected. Yeah. So right. now, how does he handle the pressure of that? Right. Right. And that, exactly. and maybe he thrives. And and you know, like you know, people know what they're getting from Marcus Golder. Like it's a dude that you know he can shoot a little bit, uh, but he's an athletic freak, and you know, teams are going to be ready for that. And then you know the other. I think the other player that we really need to see what he does during the summer is Micah Bradford. I was I, as soon as you said another player, I was like, it's going to be Micah. Yeah, and and <laughs> and Micah has been praised by the coaching staff over the off season right. so far. Matt Lodick has said that he's been the best player in the gym, and uh, it's just is is he going to ever be able to take what he does in the gym and translate it into games with some level of consistency? Yeah, I th- I. I don't think people should give up on Micah Bradford. I think. I think a lot of people have. Right. And and I and and I think a lot of people have and I think it has nothing to do with the fact that he got arrested. I think right. yeah. I think people look at Micah and and said, you know, the guy the stage is too big for him. And I look yeah. at Micah and I think there was that stretch during the season there when when that kind of took the ball out of his hands a little bit as a shooter and and he was a great distributor. Yes. And you know, so how how does how do you play this and how do you is is Bakari better off the ball than he is with the ball in his hand? Well, when when Micah was playing with the ball in his hand as a point guard, Bakari was getting great looks and hitting a lot of shots, and Micah was getting a lot of assists. And I don't I don't know the answer to that. And yeah. and then again, you got to you know Javon Freeman Liberty. 
Yeah, I think is is there's a be... there's a lot of guards, Paul. A lot of there guards. Are a lot of but guards. Look at how look at like what Loyola did when they got yeah when they made their run and not even just in the tournament, but obviously winning the league. They had one really good big in Cameron Crutwig, and then the rest of the team were guards. Yep. And maybe that's maybe this is this Villanova style of basketball maybe is what is kind of permeating a lot of thoughts into how he's doing roster construction a little bit. We thought about this idea of the Twin Towers at one point. Never really came to fruition because yeah, no. I don't know that you can play two seven-footers with each other, on, you know, in the Valley at least. Yeah. And when all these teams are trotting out, maybe, you know, very – I mean, when, if Marcus Gold is playing power forward, like that's a different kind of lineup construction. <laughs> yes, very much so. So – uh, scheduling is still coming out here. You know, I think we we got the UNLV game. Sadly, I mean, how is how cruel is that? I you know. know, unreal. I like it. You're not even going to be in Vegas during that. Time. No, I'm not. And you know what? I was here for six years. I even stayed two longer, and <laughs> and they couldn't get it done. And now it's like, bye. All right. Oh, hey, you're gonna go play UNLV. Yeah. So, well, look, it is right after Thanksgiving, so maybe you'll go home for Thanksgiving. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We'll so. See. Uh, the other the other games are still uh, still waiting to come out here and and I I, I alluded this on Twitter a long time ago and uh, and and again I like I I know some of the schedule that's not reported and like I know it because you know people slipped up and told me some things but it was off the record but um, there's one more game coming against the team that was in the Sweet 16 this past year. That's fun. And it's uh, it's not Loyola, which those they weren't in the Sweet 16. They're in the Final Four. Yes. And uh, it's West Virginia, you know. And but there's one other team that was in the Sweet 16 that will be on Valpo's schedule, which I'm sure is going to come out at some point here in the you know the next uh, couple couple weeks. Uh, quickly, NBA Finals thoughts. Yeah. Um, you know is. Uh, is is LeBron just amazing? <laughs> well, but but I mean yes. But has, but has but I mean has he? I don't even want to get into the Jordan debate, but like yeah, that's a that's a fun one. Is it clear with like the roster that Cleveland has right now that he is like the greatest? Right. I, I mean, mean, it's 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 impressive, man. Like that to get to where they're at with what they've got. It's it's not a great team aside from LeBron James and the, but but it's <clears throat> excuse me, it's fun. Um, you know, it's that the end of that game one was was tragic. I couldn't believe it. There was so much that went on. I don't that game. If they would have won that, that I think that kind of would have changed my perception of this series. But from the get go, I thought I I initial thought was was Warriors sweep, and and now having seen that game and how competitive it was, I think Warriors in five. So here's what I thought. I thought that there was no way, and I tweeted this out, there's no way that the NBA, and when I say the NBA, I'm not talking about just the high office. I'm saying the NBA, all-encompassing, the Cavs, the Warriors, all of that. There was no way that these people were going to let there be a blowout in game one. Yeah. You know, and, and again, call me a conspiracy theorist with a tinfoil hat or whatever you want <laughs> to, but like, it... Uh, it, 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 you need eyeballs on these games in order to make money, no. right? And, and these players know it, and the coaches know it, and everybody knows Like The more eyeballs, the more money, the more benefit that everybody does. And if you want to say to me something like, oh, you know, you're wrong, this is the NBA Finals, winning a championship is the most important thing, then I'll point to the free agent decisions that a lot of these players have made. Right. Really with the exception of Kevin Durant, who, who 
endures public ridicule for going to a front-loaded team already. Like, how often do you see a guy chooses more money over the better option to win a championship? Yeah. They uh. always choose more money. Always, always, always. It's it's yeah, it's a money grab. So yeah, it's a big money grab. And so like you can sit here all you want and you can grandstand and say that winning a championship is the most important thing, and I'm gonna tell you you're flat wrong. <laughs> it I think it's the most important thing. You think it's the most important thing, but we're fans of a game. Yeah, we don't have the opportunity to make those amount of dollars. This is their life, as we said with the Joe Burton thing. So right. like there's no way that Golden State's gonna come out and destroy Cleveland in game one because if they win by 30 in game one, guess what? They, like, no one's going to watch game two. Right. Right? Yeah. So what happens? Cleveland is a really, really good effort, right? They played it great. It was amazing. And, I mean, yeah. And they did. they gave it their best shot, and that led to the game being tied. And then it went to overtime, and you could see – Golden State just took it to another level. Where was that level earlier in the game? Well, no, I mean, yeah, well, so they take it to that level in overtime. And my initial thought was when George Hill was at the free throw line, I was like, I was thinking he's got to make, he's got to either make both of these or miss both of these because you don't want, you don't want this thing tied at all. I mean, honestly, I, I, he needed to make both of them because they would have been up one and then, after that, the game was going to be decided on the next shot. There was four seconds left. Either the Warriors were going to hit it, win, or they were going to miss, lose. Yeah. So, like, that's – I mean, that's what they needed. And then when he missed a free throw, obviously, you know, at that point it was it was already over because, you know, the whole J.R. Smith thing happened. That's crazy, and then, man. And they go to overtime, and it's just like and, – and, and we didn't even mention the missed – Charge call. Oh, so many, so much it's, bad, so much bad. It was a lot. That last two minute report was crazy. Yeah, but again, it, this all goes back to the idea of, in my mind, the NBA is going to protect its investment, and why have a four game series when you can have a six game series? Is this going to go seven? I don't think so, but I still think it goes six. I can't see. Now it. I will tell you this: I think Golden State blows out Cleveland today. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. Blows them out. I could see that. I, I think that that Golden State, you know, they I mean they they're the better team. And Cleveland's probably like got a little bit <laughs> the, Cleveland's got a little bit of self doubt right now. And I just think that Golden State blows them out. And then Wednesday, game three coming up, Cleveland will win that game. Uh, yeah, I mean coming it, home, Cleveland will win that game. I don't know that you know, then game four is probably more like game one, a toss up. Whoever wins game four loses game five, and then Golden State probably wins it in six. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I I really don't see this thing going past five. I I could see it end four. I obviously, you know, you want to spot LeBron James a game just because LeBron James, but it's tough, man. Like this is the this has been the foregone conclusion the entire season that we we had that little glimmer of hope that like maybe it may might not even be either of them it might Boston be the Celtics and the Rockets and that would have been just 
garbage. But anyway, oh come on, the, man! You got to cheer for got, Valpo fans. Got to cheer for Eric Gordon. Now, oh, right? oh yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, we got to you know cheer for the Suns too. So it's, yeah, very good. That'll be interesting to see what happens with uh, the Phoenix Suns with the number one overall pick. Yes, yeah, that's yeah, that's huge. Actually, I mean, it could literally be huge. The I don't. I don't really see them getting much better because of it, but you know. Yeah, well, I, I like. think I think they have to choose uh, uh, DeAndre DeAndre Ayton, Ayton yeah. yeah, from Arizona, which is I think helps Peters, right? Yeah, you would think because and Peters Peters is like on a one year deal or mm-hmm. was on a one year deal, so like I think he's a restricted free agent or something like that. It was a two way contract, but I think it was like a one year two way contract. So I don't yeah. even know like. I'm not even sure what the option is for him. You know, I, I know that he's he is. Uh, I think he's back in Phoenix right now, working out and, mm. and getting ready for summer league, and and uh, you know that'll be curious to see what happens. This uh, this next year in the league is going to be so much more in my what I'm thinking is going to be way more exciting than this year, just because you know it'll be another year the Warriors together, another year they've aged, and then you you have Boston coming back. With Kyrie, Kyrie and Gordon, Gordon Hayward. Hayward, and then we don't know what in the world LeBron's gonna do. If LeBron goes to Philadelphia. That's immediately interesting. Um, if he goes, we we'll gotta check some burner accounts to find out. If oh that's my happen. gosh, that's I Craziness. can't. I Craziness. can't. Then yeah, the Rockets will. You know, it should be a fun year. Uh, we're gonna wrap this up right now, and with that, Parker, you're leaving. Yeah, this you're, is, this you're is heading, the last one. You're heading down to Florida, man. Uh, Orlando. Talk, talk about, again, we, we briefly touched on this, but uh, uh, you're working with Caleb. You're going to be doing some uh, some media stuff for uh, for a company down in Florida. Yep, yep. Uh, we're, we're doing a startup business, and um, while down there, you know, I'm going to be continuing the freelance videography that I do and and uh, continuing to look for another just steady job, so to have three sources of income, which I've had for the past two and a half years, it's so to to go from that to <laughs> like virtually unemployed is it's, it's gonna be kind of a shock, but I'm I'm excited for it. You know, those are the things that I think I thrive off of. To to go from Vegas to Valpo to Vorlando, <laughs> is that how you say it? Vorlando, <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, obviously, uh, loved having you on the podcast. You were here from the beginning of it yeah, it's and, uh, fun. hope to still have you on from time to time, but, um, some quick hitting questions for you that yeah, we normally please. do with the players. Favorite Valpo basketball player in your time, in the last six years, this, this is the six years that, that you've been around Valpo basketball. Who is your favorite Valpo basketball yeah. player? Yeah. Oh man. I, I mean, just, you know, for me, I, I have to say, E. Victor Nickerson, just because that's you know that's my guy, that's my brother. You know, so I I very much enjoyed everything from watching him play to getting to the gym to rebound for him at 10 p.m. and not getting done till two. Like those were you know those were really fun times. That's that's a dude that I'll always have as a as a friend for a long time. So I'd I'd probably say E. Favorite uh, favorite game or favorite memory of uh, of attending a game that you have? Oh man, they're, they're, you know I was actually thinking about this on the drive over here, and I was like, there. I've seen a lot of Valpo basketball. You've seen a lot yeah, of Valpo yeah, yeah. basketball. Well, but like, you've seen a lot too, right? So, uh, I mean, I'm trying to th- I'm trying to think of one when I I'll, I'll tell you this. My first Valpo basketball game 
was was so fun because that was when they were part of the tip-off marathon. Okay. Um, Northern Illinois. Early in the morning. Yeah, 6 a.m. Yep. And I, it, this is a funny story behind this. Um, I had a calculus test, an exam that morning. Um, and I just kind of thought, you know, um, this really isn't for me, this whole uh, math thing. So I tried the least I've ever tried on any test or exam ever finished it in and I'm usually I'm usually the last person in a room to finish a test second last like just at towards the end I take up the whole time yeah I finished this calculus exam in 15 minutes <laughs> and I booked it over to the arc and got on ESPN and so that was that That's was a really great story fun. I never knew that story. yeah did I, you feel like that you needed to apologize to people for failing academically not in a, calculus n- class? <laughs> <laughs> yeah I want to publicly say um, nothing because okay. I don't need to apologize yeah no I, I get it I get it I get it uh, that's a great story. I love the, that story all those NIT games were really fun too it's, you know being yeah. able to work them on the sidelines has always been you know amazing so uh best uh best food spot in valpo i for me it's stacks i love stacks like i'm everything about it i like that i really enjoy their wines i love their specials i think that's what is interesting you know cause, flip over the menu all the time yeah right the the you know the weekly specials they put out there like i had a i had a like a a burger with gravy on it one time like i i had this like chicken and waffle sandwich the other day and that rocked my world i don't know why i'm eating anything else (laughs) (laughs) uh it's a sad day in valpo because you're leaving and broadway cafe is closing oh that's right oh my gosh gotta get it crazy well that you can you can get a good lemon rice soup at uh woodfire that's right. Over I love Roosevelt. So good. Love Woodfire. So good. I didn't know about that till this year. Yeah, no, I, I discovered it uh, over Christmas break, and uh, so good. Yeah, really, really good. Yeah, you, big time. If you haven't checked out Woodfire yet in Valpo, none of these play, people sponsor us because that's a goal for the coming years. But <laughs> right. uh, Woodfire. So, um, yeah, I. You know what, Parker? I, I'm going to let you finish it. You're you're always big on motivational quotes and everything like that. You got anything motivational to give to the Valpo fan base? Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, I'll just say for the team at first, and then I'll just talk, you know, philosophy and stuff. But the um, for for this team upcoming, I think there's a lot a lot of promise because again, you have two years where these guys all get to gel together. Um, it's a it's a special thing that could happen. You have big names coming in from big schools that always have potential. When you're transferring to a mid major, you have guys that we've seen can produce, and then you know you have guys that it seems the work ethic there is there and the dedication is there. And the only question is, will it translate? So I think this team with the combination of speed, shooting, and athleticism has a really good shot to make noise in this tournament in the in the next couple yeah. years here. Yeah. And I think it you know I think it's also promising that their first year in the MVC ha- after having lost, you know, Alec Peters, Shane Hammock, all those guys that they competed the way that they did and the difference between like last place, 10th place and 6th place was not a lot. No, not at all. So that that in itself I think is promising. I think that this team has a bright future for the next couple of years. And then just in terms of, you know, life and and what is to come, I think 
I think that this place, Valparaiso, Indiana, is a really special place in that you get a great community and you get people that are extremely friendly. That's something I did not know uh, much about because, you know, Vegas is not filled with very friendly people. <laughs> so um, I think, I think you know, to be able to cherish these years here is, is something that everyone should do. I've had a great opportunity living here for six years and it helped me grow a lot um uh i always i always tell people my my granddad always told me this he said you know i ever have to listen to anything i say but i'm going to tell you what works and i'm going to tell you for me the things that have worked uh to maintaining a high quality of life have been to obsess over positive things and you know you could have a day filled with 22 negative things but if you have one positive that you can focus on and just dial in on it your your soul and your quality is going to be very high so if you can dwell and just friggin key in on those positives that you have every single day your life's going to be a lot better because of that um also uh working hard is something that i learned in the last few years. Like I, I think I always had a good work ethic, especially when it came to fitness and things, but working hard in all aspects of life, that is something that people can't take away from you and will beat out your competition in most scenarios. So if, you know, you may love sleeping in, but I'll tell you what, if you decide that you're going to start getting up at 6 a.m. every day, your life's going to change. It's it, like I get up around 5 every day. And sometimes six, and it's it, it's just you get so much more done. Yeah. And so those, you know, hard work will carry you. It just depends on how hard you want to push yourself. And then lastly, um, I always say this for last because you know I want to want to hit on this point. Um, I've been a very very strong uh, Christian all my life, and I I would not be the person that I am if God had not made me this way, and had not guided me throughout this journey to get to this point. So, um, you know, if I, if I, and, and we may not even agree on those kinds of things, but if, if I'm someone who's had a positive effect on your life, just know that I'm, I am the reason I am because of God and because of Jesus Christ. So that's what has made me who I am. And, um, you know, I think for the most part, I've had a pretty positive effect on people throughout my life. Had a positive effect so, on me in the Valpo community, that's for sure. Uh, th- I appreciate that, Paul. And and just, uh, yeah, so that's that. those are the things, those are the keys I would say uh, moving forward. I got to say thank you for allowing me to be on this podcast co-hosting. This, I mean, we've had a lot of fun. We've had a great time, like, man. Like we've, we've, 63 episodes or something, I think it's Yeah, been. and, you know, I mean, we've we've had all the emotions, right? Like, we've we've been angry with certain outcomes. We've been just, like, depressed about them. We've it's, been it's happy. We, we, we started this podcast with the idea of documenting Alec Peters' senior year. And, yeah, and, and, right. And the... the the mountain that they were going to climb <laughs> and uh in nine games in you lose Jabril and then and then that became an interesting scenario yeah. and then they that Alec gets hurt and Shane goes to the hospital and 30 point loss in the NIT <laughs> and 12 points at the half against Milwaukee and Oh man! And now it's just Union Street hoops. Now, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so, so thank you for for all this, and it's been yeah, it's been fun. All right, Parker Gatewood, 
Thank you very much. And, uh, and for the Valpo basketball fans out there, uh, we'll be back, uh, Union Street Hoops, here in the next couple weeks as we'll uh, open gyms start here and, uh, and we'll figure out kind of how to, uh, how to push forward here on the uh, uh, Union Street Hoops 2.0. I guess it'll come at some point. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll see. So, Parker, thank you very much and uh, enjoy Orlando. Thanks, Paul.